Welcome to Trident Hoops. This is a podcast where we talk about all things basketball, college hoops, and NBA included. I'm here today with my friends. My name is Noah Williams to start, and I'm here with my friend Sid. Good day. And Elijah. <laughs> what's up? And we're here to give our hot takes and opinions on what's going on in the world of basketball. So today, we're going to start with current events. And that current event that just happened two days ago is the NBA Finals. The Bucks finished Game 6 and won the, the Finals trophy in front of their fans. Is Giannis... Giannis was obviously the best player on the court, but is he the number one player going into next year? Well, there's a lot of factors you have to take into account. I feel like there are, seems to be some misconceptions about the difference between like legacy, which morally more impacts like what the player has done more as compared to what what they are now. So I would say, yeah, Giannis is probably the first or second best player heading into this next season. My money's on LeBron, however. He sh- he, in my opinion, is still first, but we'll have to we'll have to we'll have to wait and see till next season to see how he recovered from that ankle injury. Thank you for giving me this opportunity, by the way, Noah. Anyway, um, I don't think I think Giannis is number four going to the season, and I'll tell you why. Even though Giannis is an amazing player, still can't shoot. Not he did amazing, okay? And four is very generous. Very nice for him, okay? I'm that's not a bad thing when I say four. Cause you have LeBron, Katie, and Curry ahead of him. And okay, I can literally I could switch Curry and Giannis, maybe. That could be just a little bit going into next season. And I could do LeBron, Katie, and Giannis. But either way, those four are my four going into next season. However, like as Siddharth was saying, legacy wise He's behind all three of them, you know, so. So, I would say that Giannis is number two in, I would, I would say Giannis is number two going into next year. I would still put LeBron above him just because LeBron is arguably the smartest player we've ever seen play this game. And, but Giannis, he, we saw how dominant he was on the world's biggest stage and he didn't disappoint. Putting up a 50 piece and getting those 50 nuggets. What do you mean by fifty nuggets? Well, he was he went to Chick Fil A in okay. Wisconsin, so he got his nuggets. Um, one thing I would like to talk about is the future of Chris Paul, and I happen to have a Chris Paul expert with me in the room. It's your host Noah Williams. That is me. He is a biased Chris Paul fan, so I have been a Chris Paul fan for many years now, but we're looking at obviously he just lost in this NBA Finals. And we're looking at, will he re-sign with the Suns, or is he heading someplace else? My money is on him re-signing with the Suns, but I do think there's a chance he goes to the Lakers, but that would have to be on a low-ball deal, and it would have to be a sign-in trade. But I do think he's going to stay with the Suns just because he's found his perfect coach in Monty Williams, and he's found a good group that he can keep leading and keep mentoring. Yeah, Chris Paul going to a team like the Lakers, I know... Many people would see that as ring chasing. Meanwhile, if he stays with the Suns, it's clear why. It's a great decision for him. He's going to be like mentoring Devin Booker, and Devin Booker's ceiling hasn't even hasn't even touched it. So he's going he's going high. He's aiming high, and Chris Paul is going to be there to like 
teach him like through the growing pains. I think Chris Paul, if he resigns with the Suns, he's when he retires, he's gonna join whatever team Monty Williams is coaching. Monty Williams will probably be on the Suns for a long time after this finals run. So yeah. I think that Chris Paul just had a bad career, you know. I'm kidding. I think that um you know Chris Paul might need to win a ring, but if he joins the Lakers, I'm not gonna it's not gonna be the same worth that of Curry's ring or Magic's ring or Isaiah Thomas's ring or any of those top point guards because he did not win it for himself. He's basically riding LeBron and Davis's coattails, you know what I'm saying? He would be a great um fit in the team and he'd have his part don't get me wrong but is he leading that team no so i think he should just stick with the suns you know where he could win a real ring yeah i think all the decisions are pretty good all the decisions are pretty good <laughs> and um whatever chris paul does i think i'll respect the decision unless he joins the nets then yeah he's done I will say, I don't think the Nets are even a possibility. I think at this point, they have no budget for him. And I, Chris Paul has never gone that low in his career. He's never title chased thus far, and he's never joined a super team thus far. If he joins the Lakers, I can see maybe why he would do that, That's just to go after a thing. ring. But I don't think he will, because he's never made a decision like that before in his career. And but what if it's he time would ra- he's found himself in the perfect situation in the Phoenix Suns. Now I want to go to a broader topic about this finals. This finals was it was unexpected. Injuries did contribute. That's not a knock on any of on the Suns or the Bucks. They beat a lot of tough opponents, and they both deserve to be in the finals. But a lot of people seem to not like that. So obviously LeBron James, Steph Curry, Kawhi. Any of those guys, KD, they're not there for the first time in a long time. None of those guys. So, on the bright side, that's like new talent. But on the dark side, NBA Twitter has been like going off. Saying that this finals is just not as good. Same faces are not contributing. Um, Yeah, there's someone who desperately wants the mic. And I'll tell you why. Everyone wants to see the flashy super teams. And that's not a knock, or that is a knock on super teams. You know what? Because super teams suck, and they're bad for the game. Now, I wouldn't consider um, LeBron's move to the Lakers a super team, although they are somewhat one. But like, but I will say that I like teams that are building through the draft and make well, maybe one key move like Chris Paul, which isn't like a Kawhi or Durant move. No offense to Chris Paul. But, like, is a good move, and I respect it. I like those teams that build through the draft and do that, like the Bucks and the Suns. Other, hey, other than the, other, hey, other than the um, Lakers and the Nets. And because they just cheated their way up there, you know? And I think they deserved it, and that's why Suns and Bucks, it was good for the game. I will say super teams are very, very bad for the game. And I will say that just because if the Nets win a chip next year or even the year after, the league is heading in a bad place. Because when the Nets win, other teams competing with them will be like, I need to add another star just so I can compete with the Nets. When? You mean if? I did say if. You said when. Oh, I did. Okay, I'm sorry. I meant if. (laughs) 
So if Nets win that, then every team is going to be searching for another star, and it's mostly going to go to the big budget and, yeah, the big budget teams, like the Knicks or the Nets or the Lakers or the Clippers. The Knicks? Teams that have a big market are going to be making super teams, while the teams with small markets are not going to be able to have the same impact on the league that they once did. It's not going to be an even playing field. We're going to have the rich, and we're going to have the poor. So, in retrospective on this 2021 playoffs, there's a lot of things that like were unexpected, not even counting the injuries. For example, the emergence of the Atlanta Hawks. And that is an example of a team that, like, they did a lot of stuff. They got a lot of like good veterans, a lot of young talent. They're in a good spot. They're going to be a pretty good team next year. I'd say top five in the East, like definitely, definitively, in the standings and in the playoffs. Like, they made the conference finals this year, may have been, and it was not because of injuries. They beat two very healthy teams. The 76ers, they, um, they've been proven to be... Sucky. Well, no, not the Sixers themselves. Joel Embiid, he did pretty good. But Ben Simmons... Need some work. Also, the Utah Jazz. No hate on Donovan Mitchell. He like played his heart out for his team. But Rudy Gobert is under a log, large contract. So like he's going to be there for at least one or two more years. That's going to be a problem. Because the Jazz are not a contending team with Gobert on it. Anyways, let's go to some other current events that are taking place. We're looking at... The scope of next week and the draft is coming up. Right now, it's looking like the number one pick will be Cade Cunningham. But who are some under the radar players who you think deserve more attention? As our draft expert here, I'd like to say here are some nice young talents that you should be looking out for. Of course, there's, um, of course, there's Cade Cunningham. No doubt he's gonna go number one. But look out for. The young talent who went to the G League, I believe his name is Jalen Green. He's an amazing young talent. Would have been a top pick probably if he went to college, but instead went to the G League to make money. You know what I'm saying? Not, I respect it. So watch out for him. Um, Evan Mobley from um, what? What's the Arizona State? I believe or no USC. Sorry about that. Is that the same place? I don't know. USC literally. Evan Mobley, one of the best young prospects, raw prospects out there, has the wingspan of a giant and yet can play defense amazingly while playing offense at the same time. He's going to be someone to look out for. Then you look at people like Jalen Suggs, which everyone understands is going to be at the top of the draft this year. Um, Such a talent, even getting offers in D1 football, which is amazing. Then some under-the-radar draft picks. Let's go. Davian Mitchell. You saw him in the NCAA tournament. He was probably one of the best players in that tournament. His defensive capabilities are unrivaled, and he can also play on ball. Amazing. The people teams people are saying he'll drop he'll be maybe late lottery pick. So I'm thinking um some contenders that maybe might have dropped off this year, let's say like Warriors, um or um, what, the Grizzlies, or Mavs, or Celtics, teams like those, they can pick up this young star, and it'd be quite a game changer. Anyway, I think other team, other players that are under the radar picks, um, 
Well, some people are disappointed that um, UCLA star, can't think of his name right now, but he withdrew from the draft. He would have been a top 10 talent for sure. Um, yeah, there's going to be a lot of talent in this draft. I don't know if there's, it's a very top-heavy draft, and there could be some um, quiet uh, sleeper picks that could turn into stars, but most likely um, good bench, solid bench players, solid starters. So... I'm just going to say, watch out top players, who you're going to pick. And I'm sad for you, Cade Cunningham, that you're wasting your talent on the Pistons. All right, so we're going to wrap up our segment of current events in the NBA and college for now. And we're going to head into our next daily segment, which is debates (laughs) and, yeah, controversial topics around the league. Today's going to be NBA. We'll mostly be doing NBA, sometimes college. To start off this segment, we're going to start off with a debate that takes on a controversial topic in today's league. And it even came down to an MVP discussion this year. So, our two players we're comparing first and discussing who is the better player going into next year is Nikola Jokic and Joel Embiid. Now, I'll give my opinion to start this off. I Disclaimer, think- two of the people in this room not going to name them, are Nuggets fans. Keep that in mind. You don't need to say you're a Nuggets fan. We already know that. But anyways, we have Nikola Jokic. I am not a Jokic. Nuggets fan. As I said, I'm a Lakers fan. Nikola Jokic just won the MVP. Now, I'm not saying Embiid probably would have won it. He was putting up pretty great stats. But he got injured. That's a fact. So you can't... Jokic has the MVP over him. It's not up to Embiid when he gets injured, but it did happen, and you can't go back and say, what if that happened? What if he didn't get injured? Because there's so many what ifs in the NBA, and you cannot change any of them. So I'm taking Nikola Jokic just because his teams have had, I would say, more playoff success than the Sixers. Because Nik- Joel Embiid has never been to the conference finals. Nikola Jokic, with Jamal Murray's help, has led his team there. And I do not think, I actually think the 76ers have more talent on their team. It's just that the Nuggets have more chemistry. The 76ers have Tobias Harris, Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid, and other players. The Nuggets have Jokic, Murray, a lot of role players, but Nuggets have way more chemistry. What's your take, Sid? My take, before you started talking about everything and stealing it, or like, yeah, you kind of talked about everything. I have almost have nothing to say. My take was is that while on paper the 76ers teams uh, compared to the Nuggets teams during these past few years look better, when it comes to the playoffs, yeah, their execution was flat. It was really flat. The Nuggets definitely have no chemistry, as Noah, as Noah has said to me before. They have no egos, which is true. They all just want to win. They're all, like, very passionate about the game. And that's not, it's not that that's not true about the 76ers. The 76ers don't gel as well. You kind of have to put a lot of that on Ben Simmons. He is kind of a liability in late-game situations. That was demonstrated in this last year's playoffs. That's not taking away from Embiid or Jokic, however. When you put them one-on-one, in my opinion, Jokic does have a bigger impact on his team. Embiid has has a more two-way game, has more of a two-way game, and is better defensively than Jokic. But Jokic literally controls the offense. The offense does not revolve around Embiid. It definitely revolves around Jokic. So, Jokic has a bigger impact, and I think he was deserving. He won the MVP, and I think he is definitely better than Embiid. And with that said, he's the best big in the league. 
I agree that Jokic is the best player in the league, the best pick in the league. So there's not much to debate on this topic. But what I said, best big. But um, yeah, only thing that Jokic is worse than at Embiid is defense and maybe scoring. Although they're very close, even though Jokic's scoring capabilities are very unorthodox, they do match up quite well to Embiid. Um, I would take Embiid over him in scoring just by just a little bit, but. I do agree that Jokic is better. He did win MVP this year. So, all right. The next thing we're gonna do is legacy. We're gonna compare two players of the this past. This is a much more unorthodox matchup. It's more unlikely. I don't think you'll have seen this coming. Yes, we are gonna go Iverson versus Steve Nash. I'll who do you take? We'll go. Who Who wants to debate first? I'll go. I take Steve Nash, and. Steve Nash has two MVPs. Now, I do think that those were two. He had almost no competition, and his numbers weren't superb. But his numbers weren't superb. They were actually not even, like, compared to today's stats, he he would be, like, maybe fifth candidate. But I think that Steve Nash did lead his team, and he led his team far in the West. They were always contenders. They never ended up getting the chip, but Steve Nash... Even if you looked at him in the playoffs, he was a scorer, and he had he had a mentality where he was doing whatever he wanted with the Suns. And then even later, he he had a little bit of success with Kobe. Not really, though, because that team did not end well. But I take Steve Nash, because neither of them won a championship, but Steve Nash had was better for longer. Well, I do admit that Steve Nash had more longevity. I believe that Iverson's a better player simply because Iverson definitely carried his team more than Steve Nash did. Steve Nash had Amari Stoudemire. No matter how injured he was, he had him for some time, and the runs they made were dominant. Iverson's second-best player could be debated to be like the Kembe Mutombo or something when he was on the Philadelphia, and he made that first finals appearance. And he had to deal with some tough opponents, the Ray Allen Milwaukee Bucks, who had some good role players, the Tracy McGrady Magic. Both of those players had absolute offensive explosions, and Iverson was able to match them and carry his team to the finals. In the finals, yeah, they got five gamed by the sixteen and by the fifteen and one Los Angeles Lakers, argued as one of the best teams of all time. But who was beating that team that year? Literally no one. When they got to the playoffs, it was a wrap. Iverson, yeah, he definitely, in my opinion, carried his team more than Nash did. While Nash had more of a role in the offense than Iverson did, Iverson was just unstoppable. He was unguardable. He has arguably the best handles in the league. He's one of the best playoff scorers and scorers of all time. He's he's not really talked about that much for his scoring, but he won a scoring title. And he won an MVP that year. He got the Sixers to the finals. So, yeah. Well, I'll admit this is very close. I will take Iverson. Just because, look, Steve Nash won two MVPs to Iverson's one, but one of those MVPs was easily Kobe's and should be Kobe's. And that's not a question, I don't think. No offense to Nash. Nash was great. Nash did lead his team to multiple Western Conference finals and runs, and I agree that Spurs and Lakers very much kept the West uh, down. Whereas in the East, there wasn't much competition. Not saying there wasn't, but there wasn't as much as the Lakers and the Spurs in that time. Iverson had a pretty impressive road to the finals. Like, when you're looking at that 2000, what was it, 2000 finals? 2001. 2001 finals. He played the um, he played the Raptors in the second round. No one will ever forget that duel with him and Vince Carter. 
and him beating out Vince Carter, that scoring between those two was unparalleled. Never seen that in a series. Then, yeah, and they're playing Tracy. Then, he goes on and plays Ray Allen's Bucks in the conference finals and beats them, although very controversial, still beat him. Also, might I add, Ray Allen's Bucks were up 3-2 in the series. They were one win away from the finals. Iverson was able to will the Sixers to two wins in a row. Exactly. And then, even though this is very won't really look that good, he stole a game from the Lakers, which is very impressive to me because the Lakers had Kobe in check, and Iverson was literally just Iverson. He was the what? He was the player to carry the one team that beat the Lakers during their, at the time, best record, best playoff record, best single playoff record ever. Yeah, that's true. Lakers swept every team other than them. Although it was only five games, Iverson played amazingly, and he won MVP that year. And that MVP was a great MVP. I think Nash, although he was very good. Fell short in those runs. Never made it to the finals as far as Iverson did. And even though Iverson was pretty much just a scorer, he was an underrated playmaker, but a scorer. And Nash was better playmaking and everything. I believe that Iverson's one finals run and MVP were um, can just barely um, put him out of the reach of Steve Nash. So, now that we've discussed our debates and hot topics for the day, we're going to wrap this baby up yeah so this is sports cops this is trident hoops signing off for the day and we will see you guys in episode number two bye bye